you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the design paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. The secret to getting ahead is to have a point of view. What do they say about that? If you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. And mediocrity is the norm these days. And it slays me the level of mediocrity we think is okay. It is the way of the world that seems to accept good enough. And good enough is not going to cut it for me and hopefully not for you either. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, design world. Thank you for joining us today. I am here again with Liz O'Matic, and we are excited to talk to you today about this particular subject. The reason for that is because I am really hot on this topic because I see too many designers sabotaging their own opportunities by not owning who they are and what they believe in about interior design and their work. And I think people sometimes default to following the same path as others because collectively, we do not know what we do not know. I mean, that's like one of my favorite things to say, especially to clients, mm -hmm. or because, you know, the need to conform. So we do not stand out. We're not awkward. We're not feeling weird, all those kinds of things. And maybe we worry about saying the wrong thing or I don't know, crap, maybe I don't know as much as that random chick on Facebook who answers every question, even though she does not have a website or a legit portfolio or anything else. And that's when about the time that any anxiety peeks out behind the curtain and then beats you to the floor and makes you doubt everything you think. Okay, stand back, Annie, because we ain't got time for you today. No, and I don't know. I mean, I think being in a creative field and working with all sorts of different vendors and in an industry where everyone is trying to be inventive and think outside the box, you want to own that. You want to have some of your own yes. pizzazz behind that, don't you? I think so. I think so. I think so. And no surprise that anybody who's listening or who actually knows me here that I wear my passion on my sleeve. This level of intensity is, I mean, it has downsides for sure. As I just dropped a, a whole new little thing on Liz <laughs> just now, right before we started this podcast. Passion can inspire people. It can be contagious for sure. I definitely feel like it's contagious, but can also exhaust and everyone around you too. Some days I exhaust myself and Liz, and I know that I exhaust the hell out of uh, Stephanie most every day. But this passion for my work is why I get up in the morning, honestly, and I'm excited about what the day holds. I really am. I mean, I think it's some of the reasons why I don't necessarily always want to go to sleep at night because I am excited about something or I'm thinking about something or I'm planning something or whatever. And, and I have this eagerness to jump into it the next day and I'm, I'm ready to go. Maybe not always with bells on if I've been up the night before <laughs> at night, but you know, and it's not always roses and my ties. I'm not going to pretend like it is, but still I'm passionate about what we do. So that is what keeps me going. So quite frankly, I don't think I would be doing it anymore if I didn't have that same level of passion. And, and here's the thing, clients feel this energy and they will gravitate to you if you embrace it authentically. I mean, have we not found Absolutely. that to be the truth, Liz? Oh, yeah. I mean, even just thinking about we have a, a longtime client, someone who Cheryl has been friends with, but also has been a client for with for many, many years. And they're at the end of this very, very long winded remodel that is finally, finally coming to a close. 
And she still wanted to come in and talk about her little in-law suite that's associated with it. And I think it's such a great Mm -hmm. testament to the engagement that we have and the fact that people still, even after four years of crazy permitting issues and, and dealing with all this remodel stuff, that she still wants more. She still wants more of whatever is going to be next for her next space. Yeah, that is because of how we operate. I mean, it, it really is. I think that that's a testament to how the business is run, but also how you take care of clients and how you make sure that you show up with new verve every day. Right. And it's that excitement level. And I, I think that people want to do business with those who clearly love what they do. I mean, right. I would prefer to do business with that than somebody that is ho-hum-de-dum-de-dum when they're doing that. I mean, being professional is is important, of course, but you have to insist on your own brilliance with your clients. I mean, you really do. And the first thing anyone needs to do is define your own feelings about interior design and what you're bringing to the table and what it means to you to be a good designer, a damn good designer, in fact, there you go. And then you are delivering what you feel is the cream of the crop design. Like, what does that mean to you? What things are your triggers? What are the things that make a difference to you in a job? Where do you hang your hat? What are you passionate about with the business? Yeah, it dovetails, I think. I think that by nature, having a creative kind of penchant, but also being an entrepreneur, having that sort of desire to sort of start something new and to keep it moving and to keep it growing. It all ties into this idea of also being able to define new spaces and come up with new ideas and to really think outside of the box every time you're presented with new problems and situations. That's what makes a unique portfolio. That's what keeps lots of different clients looking at what you're doing and engaged in the potential to work together with you. Mm -hmm. And it makes for certainly a much more interesting career path, because think about it, if you do the same thing over and over again, you're going to get sick of it real quick. And with all the other stuff we have to put up with every day. Yeah. Why not keep it interesting, right? Right. I think so. I think you are in control of cultivating that enthusiasm and it it has to be throughout your entire group of people that you deal with, whether you're a solopreneur or, or not, you're really never solo because in this business, you're working with, with other people and you have to make it part of your brand and what you deliver to clients. And here's the thing. I want to bring our A game every single day. That is my goal. Okay. It's not always easy. We knew this. We know this. I mean, we knew it. We know it. But it's a decision we make. And if we feel like poop on a platter, we do not see clients. We just don't. We don't see clients when we're not at our optimum performance, whatever that peak performance thing. I think there's a book or something like that. I mean, it's like peak performance, something that I read a million years ago. But we just don't. We don't bring it if we don't have our A game. But it's definitely, this is our approach. This is how we feel about it. We own our brand personality and our processes, and we believe in it because it is well-defined and truly reflects who we want to be and the type of clients we want to attract. I am really okay, honestly, with some strong personalities and some characters as clients, and we do get our fair share of those, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, we have a good variety going right now. But I think that in alignment with this whole idea there is a certain amount of our process and kind of our team approach that I think really contributes to it. I can think of many, many years past when I was just growing into this role that I have now where you taught me very quickly, these are the things we have to do to be prepared. I'm not feeling prepared. And so this is what we need to do next time. Because Mm -hmm. you want to be able to really show up every time we have a consult or a presentation with the full Monty, like everything packed and ready to go. And excited about what it is that you're going to be able to have to say, but also excited about the designs. We don't want to just be doing the same old thing over and over again. So a lot of that is built into our processes. A lot of it is built into just how we've cultivated the way that we operate on our onboarding, because it makes sense. It helps us to contribute to a better overall process for ourselves. And it absolutely contributes to a better experience for our clients. They respond to that. And so that's why it's so important from top to bottom to really be authentic to understanding how that has to happen and how you have to give it time to gestate sometimes before we end up meeting and all that. Pondering, pondering time. I always love those first presentations. Those are some of my favorite moments because it really is our first chance to engage with clients and get to really get them excited. We get to play the kind of back and forth to engage them in all the ways that we're excited about what we're presenting. That's funny because I think I like the initial consult better in terms of overall, like, I feel like that's when I am 
like really shining strongest. That is your, is, the Cheryl show. We call it you know, the Cheryl, the Cheryl show. show. I think I'm, that's what I love. And I love the presentation too. But here's the thing too, is you can't really bring your A game if you're feeling like crap. You can't do it if you're burning the candle at both ends. You can't if you're racing around trying to get everything situated the day before or whatever. You can't bring your A game if you're not feeling comfortable with your process. I mean, all of that is super important. And, and the reason you want to bring your A game is because you want to cultivate that enthusiasm. You want to show clients how excited you are about everything that you're doing. But the whole thing about what we're really talking about here is is sort of owning your ideas about design and and thinking about it, but actually in writing them down too. And and here's the thing, let's let's back up a minute. You can start this process doing what we did, which is really knowing your brand archetypes. Okay? So if you're not familiar with branding archetypes, you can google it and you can look in that. There's all kinds of websites about it and that sort of thing. But really, we worked with a firm years and years ago to develop that and to figure out what it is. And they did a, a really lengthy investigation or whatever. I don't know if that's the best word into like talking to clients, talking to the people that worked for us. I mean, they talked to everybody about it to really shape exactly what our brand archetypes are. And it's not really about how you feel as much as how you are viewed in the marketplace and by your employees and your team and all those kind of thing. And if you haven't explored it, I really highly recommend doing this. You know, we have two. We are part rebel or outlaw, depending on what you read, and part magician. And that's okay with me. I am really okay with all of that. At first, I remember when they said, you know, look at this outlaw rebel thing. And I'm like going, wait a minute, what does that mean exactly? Like, I don't know if I really like that or not. But here's the thing. The, the rebel is they're not afraid of radical ideas. They live to challenge the status quo. So that, there you go. Disrupt the norm. I mean, there you go. It's, it's shocking, right? That that's what it is. Can you believe that that's us? I mean, I don't think anybody really mm-hmm. knows anything about us or even clients would, would disagree with that. The rebel brand is, is they're on they're loud and proud, sometimes a little brash. The rebel wants to bring people into a fresh perspective. And that was really kind of what resonated with me is bringing people into a fresh perspective and something different into thinking about something a little different. I really like that. And then there's part magician. Usually you have like a primary, maybe a a secondary and even a tertiary branding archetype. And I'm sure that a lot of you have, have done this as well. And we have talked about this in TDP as well. And the magician, Magician sort of softens the edges a little bit, I think, of the rebel, because this kind of a brand is really a goal to transform. They're very interested in new ways of doing things, finding solutions that are not yet imagined, products not yet built. Magicians belong to this idea-driven powerhouse sort of thing, thriving on vision and intuition. And I would say that's definitely right up our alley and how we like to bring it. And here's the thing, that's a lot to bring to a meeting and to a client interaction. And I think it's really the same for a lot of these different brand archetypes. It's exhausting sometimes. I mean, there are days, just the other day, I said to Liz, like, Liz, you cannot book us on a client meeting 45 minutes away with this new initial client when I have X, Y, and Z going on that same day because they really do take, as much as I love them, they do take a certain amount out of me. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, did you feel like Which that when you honest. first got here, Liz? To, I mean, when you first got to In Detail, did you feel that way? Did you pick up on that sort oh, of yeah. thing? Who was it? I was just telling someone, I forget who it was, but like just last week, I was explaining how I ended up in detail. I want to say it was like someone in, I don't know, someone in TDP or something like that. But it's, I remember walking into the shop. I had just moved to Pensacola. I had zero context for anything that was going on. I knew I needed a job. And I was like, oh, this place is cool. I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea really what you guys did. I just loved the shop. It was beautiful. It was bright. It had all these interesting objects and artwork and just lots of unique things. And I thought, I mean, if I can't fit in here, then like, I can't imagine where I'm going to fit in. But I think that there is something to that experience and something to that sort of creation of a space and an ambiance that translates in our showroom. I mean, I know we talk about this a little bit too with hiring and with just like who your team ends up being, but I think that's a bedrock of it. It it speaks again to kind of the things that thrill you, the vintage that you love and the artwork that you love and the things that you've brought into Mm -hmm. that space that help us really flush out the rest of what the firm is going to be. And then of course we have our clients upstairs to our resource room and that's a whole experience in and of itself. But 
it all ties into this idea of really being authentic to who you are. I think you love it. I think there's no way you could possibly be doing all that you do in a day without being really truly passionate about it. That and is true. I, I mean, absolutely that is true. think that clients believe that. I mean, I think that they feel that through and through because it we, telegraphs to you know, clients we, for sure. Yeah. And we come to it from a very honest place. I think that, again, even from the consult meeting right on through to the presentation, I think that clients understand that we are wanting to really get in their heads and help them understand where we think the space can go. It's not just about kind of figuring out the colors and making it look pretty. There's a lot more to the layers in all of that. And they get a taste for that during the consult because Cheryl gives a lot of value during that meeting. But I think that that's the type of thing that gets them excited so early on that by the time we then send the scope and get the contract going, it's like, of course they want us involved because it's like a TV show. I mean, they want to be part of the action. Right. And, and it's not like we get every job that we put a scope out there for. I mean, sometimes it's just more money than people want to pay or, or they maybe had re- thoughts based on the initial consult that it's going to be the whole project's going to be a lot more than they thought or whatever. But I will say that mm-hmm. we don't get pushback on our nine page contract either. I mean, we really don't. <laughs> we really, truly do not. And I mean, I just I think that's got to be a testimony to that excitement level and the passion and the, and also the skill level. And and you know, here's the funny thing too is I think we attract clients who are also a bit of this same persona, these these archetypes, you know, a little bit of a rebel, strong women. I mean, if you think about right now, like I'm just sitting here in my mind thinking about the clients that we have. We have strong women who own businesses or an authority position, men perhaps that, that run a business maybe different than the standard in some way. I mean, maybe entrepreneurs, I don't know, couples who run a business together and need to trust those who they're hiring for having a lot of integrity because they don't have time to pay as much attention as they would like. And I think that's like, part of this is that time is more valuable to these people than money or running around as long as you can give them a reason to trust you. And by the number one way of doing that is to be authentic to who you are. I mean, that's absolutely the the top way of, of being perceived as a trustworthy person is to be who you are 100%, because then that tells people, you know, what you're all about. And I don't think that there's anything about us that is not 100% authentic, at least maybe on the days where I have to maybe take that mental volume because I feel like I need to ratchet down the personality overload for some clients or because I feel like that they're maybe a little apprehensive coming in or something like that. And then I have to do a little, my little zen moment, that kind of thing. And that's not really being authentic. I mean, I have to pull that out ever ever now and again. Anyway, everyone thinks that I'm this this extroverted person. I'm really not. I'm very much a, an introvert. And I recharge by being alone, by being in my head, by reading, by by doing the things that I love to do. I don't get charged by people. That sucks me dry, but not in a bad way. I don't, I don't look at that as being a bad thing. I just have to monitor that. And Liz very well knows this because this is a topic of conversation yeah. that comes up a lot because she's in control of a calendar. And so sometimes I'm like, whoa, like even going to the Friday, I have to go to my husband's work Christmas party. You know, It's like, okay, I need to marshal all the forces to go to this Christmas event. And I need to put my face on. My husband's like the manager there is the, is the big dude. I, I can't not show up or something. And I try to year after year to fake some illness or something. But I, those are days that I really have to, to think about what I'm doing. And so I encourage everyone else to do that too, to really think about the days, the appointments, the things that are going to drain you a little bit more and think twice of that. But we're, we're getting completely yeah. off topic here, but well, I mean, okay. again, I think that it's, you're speaking still to that same idea though, that because of the amount of kind of energy and passion that goes behind what it is that we do. And because we want every interaction, whether it's a new lead calling in, whether it's an insight session for plan review, whether it's an article you're writing for hat or whatever it is, we don't like to just like fly Mm -mm. by the seat of our pants and mail it in. We like to really offer something that is going to be engaging and fun and that's going to deliver the type of work that we can be proud of. And I think that that sort of, yeah, that sort of authenticity or that sort of real drive to want to kind of unify your own values with what it is that you do 
that is what a lot of people respond to. I'm thinking about the meetings that we've had just over the last couple of weeks, consult meetings and preliminary presentations for creative. And some of these clients, they are a little quirky. I mean, they're not, these are not the same type of personality every time they show up. And so you are kind of playing a little bit to your crowd, Mm -hmm. of course. But what's interesting, I think, is that a lot of these people, they spend time on our website. They love the Uh, voice. That one guy said he read every page of our website, Liz. The guy we, that we met with I'm last surprised. week. And he is like all in. And you know what? I mean, that guy's a party everywhere he goes. I can just tell that. He, he's just, he's <laughs> a lot of fun. And, and just like, it's like you want to work for this person because they're just, yeah. he's like a lot of fun. He has ideas. He's, he's excited about the process and all of those things. I mean, he just had such a personality about him that it's very, it's very attractive. But when he said he read every one, I'm like, oh, you know, we are. We're kind of updating that website right now right? a little bit. I hope you didn't read the, the ones with the typos or something. But it's true that that we have had many clients that, especially yeah. recently, because we've been so busy with new client appointments and initial consults, that we do have some people that are that are very interesting individuals. And maybe that is what we're putting out there too. And I think on top of that, before I forget about this, an important thing for one to note is that we also seem to attract team members who are a little Mm. bit left of center or whatever, you know, in some way too. Original thinkers. And we actively seek these out. I mean, we we like people when they have strong opinions. We really do. Maybe even a little bit rebellious every now and again. I hope no one's listening to this. I don't want to encourage that too much. But we we kind of respect that, I think. And and the the right people to work with us are people that that want this dream not taught in grade school is what you should want and whose personal passion is one of their assets too that they're passionate about something too it may not always be work that's okay i mean there's not everybody is is built that way and it's not their business and all of that but they work hard even when people are not watching and i i really feel like that's true i i've always said though that people would run for the hills after they've been around me and you for a couple of days if they if they were slackers like slackers need not apply and we really don't ever have that happen, at least not for very long, because people are like mm. hightailing it out of here when they see the Liz and Cheryl show and and know that we're interested in getting shit done, that kind of thing. But I, I do feel like that our entire team is a group of nonconformists in some way or another. And maybe subconsciously, they're all attracted to working here because they feel a similar pull to being a uniquely, you yeah. know, individual. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I mean, you've said that how you felt when you first walked in and that kind of thing, but you've been here for a long time. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that there's always been, because I've had, I went to school for business originally, and I have many friends who went the corporate route and they've had successful careers, but they don't, the engagement that they have and what they do day to day is very, very different. And I think that the, like, let's be honest, for anyone who does this professionally, the heart and the attention and the emotion and the roller coaster that it can be sometimes mm-hmm. is very unique to yep. this industry. We joke that like you're in bed with your clients, but it it very much is true. And you want to take care of them and you want your subs to be yeah, good and happy and tracking. And, you know, we want our team to be excited and for there to be a good culture around what it is that we're doing. But there's a lot, there are high expectations. There's a lot of risk in some of what it is that we do. And you have to be able to kind of look at it for what it is and mm-hmm. be excited. Just like you said, every day to wake up because it's not, it's certainly after today too, this is our Monday after Thanksgiving. I don't know when this will actually launch, but it's been a Monday and you have to be able to show up with all that energy mm-hmm. to be able to get through a day like this and still yeah. want to do it again. Yeah, so, you know, I think that it does, true. it speaks to a personality type for sure. And I think that with small business, when you can really, establish something that is unique, that is speaking to clients, that gets people engaged, people like to be a part of that. And I think that that is very much how our team operates right now. We have a couple of younger teammates who really, I think, are realizing that they can have some opportunity to grow here. And that's such a great position to be in, to know that you have someone who's engaged in that way. Because I don't think that's how it is for everyone. No, I don't think so either. And I, I mean, I tell people all the time, look, I, I need you to be able to do that. I don't want to micromanage you. And believe me, you do not want me micromanaging you. I'm not much of a micromanager. And now part of that is because I have Liz there at the helm. So that that helps a lot too. But I'm demanding and I absolutely am suffer no fools gladly. That's I haven't met someone 
in my role that does yet. I have, I have not seen that. But I think that people, when they realize there is an opportunity for growth and that you have somebody that's going to be your cheerleader for that, but still expect you to work very hard and to do what you say and say what you're going to do, all those kinds of things, that it still at some point resonates with you that, wow, there's an opportunity here. But but let's, let's, why are we even talking about this? Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's get into that. Why are we talking about how this is this perception and how we've kind of deep dove into some of the reasons why we get certain clients that we do and what's our ideal client because we're always focusing on that and working on that and it's because i see too many designers trying to fit in they fight their own urges to stand out and stand up for how they want to do things and to to seek help or guidance when they're not sure how to get there and one of the first exercises in the design paradigm is about setting your design manifesto Okay, so this the point of this exercise is to get you to think about it, all right? It's not so much what you produce, as I do a lot of things that later you're like, oh, she was kind of tricky there. She was trying to get me <laughs> to think about something. And that is the truth. People don't always realize it in front, but, but they do. And so what I mean by this is what are the lines that you will not cross? Or as I like to say, I have to throw myself on the railroad tracks on that one, Mrs. Client or Mr. Client. I mean, but, okay, so, but this is not your brand guidelines or your mission statement or anything like that. Okay, that's not what this is. This is your manifesto for how you view interior design and your process. And I encourage everyone to be bold when we do this. I want you to speak out to your truths about it. And it's so important to embrace your own sense of what interior design means to you so that you build this passion for your beliefs. I mean, yeah, is that not, the, I mean, we can go over ours, but what do you think, Liz? Yeah, I think that having an opinion and a vantage point on this is really, really critical. Not just because I think it helps you to be able to flush out a lot of a lot of other facets of your process and how your business operates and everything like that. But it really speaks to how you're going to be able to manage your clients and your clients needs. There's a lot of I think tendency for people to not want to rock the bow or we joke sometimes like, oh, you know, it would be a lot easier for us to just say yes and just go home and, and not have this deeper conversation with a client about something that might be tricky in the That's design. Right. But the truth is it's important to us. And I think that they value that on the whole. You know, I think that even, no matter the personality, the fact that they're paying us to be a part of this process and that they want that experienced kind of wisdom that comes along with having done it so many times. Right. Right. That ability to stand your ground a little bit is absolutely a value to your client. And you have to be able to translate that somehow. I mean, we, we're constantly finding different ways, but being scared of being honest or being scared of having opinion or, or even just, I think about presenting things. We, Libby and I had a little meeting last week with a client. I was in it via Zoom and I was really proud of her because there were two options for window treatment and she spoke right up and she said which one she liked best when the client was like, I'm really not sure like I could go with either. She didn't just kind of let it sit and let it linger. Right. And it's easy to let a client right. just kind of like be in the in-between and be like, okay, well, you can think about it. She felt strongly about what she wanted in that space. Those yeah. are the type of things that clients need. That's part of why they're hiring us. So yeah, to be exactly able to really- yeah, to be able to stand behind that and to know that you're doing your best and you know that you want to be able to get that out to that client. I think that that is a huge value to them and why we should be in the business. I mean, that right. why else? Right. And, and, what do we, and what do we say? Like, I think it's three times, you know, we'll say to you, yeah. and, I, and I tell clients this up front, I'm very upfront with all of this because I, I really, I, I can't be any other way. It's just not in my DNA, but we'll say it's three times that we're going to say to you something that we disagree with. And, and I'm not afraid of doing that. I'm really not. And I can't look back into time and say the first five years or six years or whatever, I was like that. But, but I've been this way for a while because this is my second career. And because I was in management at the radio station before, I had to deal with a lot of strong personalities. I mean, you want to see some strong personalities, go to a radio station and look at the people around there because they're all strong personalities and, and, and very unique and a little quirky and all that. And so I was in charge of managing that group of people and on my team. And so when I came into design, I think that I had a certain amount of confidence based in that. But the other part about, but I, but I was still new to design. And so that 
what I needed to do was to really develop and own the things that I think are important, the, the, the shoulds or the haves or the things that were just the deal breakers or things that I wanted to be able to do every time. That this is something, this is our manifesto. This is what we believe. And truthfully, I mean, I'm going to go through this with you and I'll list out ours and I'll, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. But it's really just, it's sort of the feelings about your process, the outlook, the philosophies, you know, all that sort of thing. It's a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit tongue in cheek, of course. I mean, that's the way that we're going to be. Yours doesn't have to be that. But it's still the truth. It's still the truth. And I think these are also guidelines for the team, like Liz was talking about with Libby, to feel strong about their opinions and their and their feelings, because there's nothing worse than a wishy-washy designer or somebody that's just a yes person. I mean, when one of the, the designers here that's been around forever, that's now since retired, was always very much like whatever he said, that's what happened. And we're not like mm. that. We're very collaborative in a lot of ways, but there's still things that we really like insist on. So I'll go through some of these. Okay. We believe design is comprehensive, period. Nothing can be addressed in a vacuum. Okay. So that's really important to us because we want to do the comprehensive whole deal. We believe managing a project properly is as important as the design almost. Okay. So it's, that is really about the project management because we all know how important project management is, right? I mean, that may not be something that's involved in every one of our jobs, but that is something that we believe in that when it can be, and it should be, there are some that we don't get into because we're not managing it. And I don't want to get into it because I identify that not being a good thing. So it's important. We believe in finishing the project all the way to the last lovingly placed book or vase. So Believing that is important because that one of the biggest complaints I see from designers is them not being able to finish the job. And this is something you have to work for from the beginning. You don't wait until you're almost done with the job to then say, oh, by the way, I really want to finish this. You have to start laying the groundwork for that very early on. Okay. So here's more. We believe there's 10 of them. We believe catalog decorating should remain in the hands of preteens and never adults. Okay. That is, you guys have probably heard the podcast about catalog decorating, just say no and all of that. And that is how we feel. We are not going to be catalog decorators because that is one step away from being a personal shopper. We believe matching is not a thing. Tension is all the rage, don't you know? And that is also something that we believe and something that even that one client out in Gulf Breeze that quoted me on saying, well, I'm not going to say it matches because then I'll incur Cheryl's ire or something like that, <laughs> because we joked around about that in a meeting. And so when you have your clients quoting you on stuff like that, it's, it's really going, wow, you know, I guess we, we are resonating with them on that. And it's not like we say, it in a stuffy way. It's more about that we're a little eclectic. It's talking about the fact that there is a time and place for things to quote unquote match, right? I mean, you guys will love the next one. We believe shoe molding is the devil. Step away and plan accordingly up front. And look, this is one of those things that bothers me enough that I had pens made. Some of you may even have the pens that say shoe molding is the devil because that's kind of the way I feel. I cannot stand, you know, shoe molding whenever possible. But is there sometimes that we're forced into doing it? Yeah, sometimes it, it happens. Okay, so what's next? We believe walls are the lifeblood of cohesive design. Bye-bye sheetrock texture and boring walls. Hello, beautiful grass cloth. So what we're saying here is that this is important to us. We want to be able to address all the walls, including the fifth wall, the ceiling. It's, it's very important to us. So the whole idea here, y'all, is to be able to sit down, have a glass of wine, maybe a whole entire bottle, and really think about what are 10 things. You can 10, 15, 25, whatever it is. I think we have 10, but I don't know if I've ever counted them. And say, what is it that we believe in? What is it that is important to us? Even if it is a little tongue in cheek or whatever, what is that? And the next one is super important. It should probably be first. We believe the plan is sacred. Pay to get a good plan, then stick to the plan. Because we all have been there when people go rogue on the plan. Plans are very important to us. So this is something that's going to be in our manifesto, right? We believe transitions are part of the design. Failure to address these is like failure to launch because let's face it. I mean, right now in the K and B course, I'm writing things right now about transitions. And I, I think it could have been an entire course in none of itself, Liz. I really do. I don't know if we'll ever finish because 
transitions are such a thing in in design. It really is. Okay, so last one, we believe in trusting the process. We deliver a well thought out process and is integral to good execution. Okay, so that's ours. And I hope you have your own Bible of thou shall nots or, or we always do this or whatever. And the point of this exercise is to actively consider what things are sacred to you. This is what helps you develop a point of view. Okay, and it is essential in today's business world and absolutely for interior designers. And this is part of why I have this exercise in the design paradigm, because it's not because of what the results are or what you're actually saying. It is to get you to think about these things because then they become part of your DNA. They become part of who you are and you have to stand for something. You have to say, this is something important to me. Whether you ever show this to a client or not is kind of irrelevant. I said we were going to make bags with them, right, Liz? And I don't know that we ever... Did we that. had Maybe some we of them posted for a while. You had the a cute little print off of them that I think was downstairs. But it's I don't know. I mean, again, I think we'll put the, them on the new website. The sort of yeah, there you go. I think this is the sort of thing that becomes a really good base layer for developing that confidence behind why it is that you stay in business and why it is that you operate, no matter what the situation is, how great the client is, how much of a pain in the butt they're being, no matter what you're dealing with with subs, these are the things that you go back to and that really speak to why it is that you do and why it is that you get up every day to show up. And without them, I think that it would be easy to get lost probably. It would be easy to kind of mail it in and show up and maybe not be able to offer that type of more involved, authentic experience for the clients that you work for. And I don't know, I can't imagine doing this for, I mean, I've been with Cheryl for a little over eight years now and I can't imagine if we didn't have those kind of stronger sort of values behind what it is that we do, how it is that things would really Mm -hmm. operate because I think we're known for it. I mean, let's be honest. I think there are a lot of subs in the area and certainly a lot of our clients who part of the reason that they refer us to their friends and they bring our business name up and all of that is because they know that we get it done, but they know that there's no way they could do it without us. And that is because we, we stand that. by we the fact that they- that. Yeah, we cultivate yeah. that feeling in them though. I mean, everything we do is cultivating that feeling, right? Right. And teaching them, it's it's kind of like you were saying with the little colloquial phrases that we use and the things that we try to educate clients with over the course of the process. It's helping them to understand that the vantage point we come to when we're presenting ideas and explaining rationale, it makes sense. It doesn't have to match for everything to look good. And that's a thing for us because we do this every single day, but a lot of clients don't know that. They don't understand Mm -hmm. what it is that they're trying to say or how it is that they should be trying to say it. So for us, being able to kind of work through a lot of those funny little things to teach them, you're spending a lot of money. You don't want shoe mold all over your house because that shows that someone was either too lazy to do their transitions right, or they just didn't want to have to worry about it and slapped it on there after the fact. That's right. That's right. And sometimes it's already there. Yeah, and sometimes it's already there and That's you have true. to deal with it. But I think that the the idea here, though, is that that when you show up as being opinionated in, in a way, in a good way like that, you're going to stand out and you stand out when you have a personality and maybe you have a signature way of doing things or or maybe you're just taking a stand on something. I mean, we take a stand on certain things and we're like, no, no, we're not. We can't do that. I, I'll never forget my husband one day saying to me, because I was really repeating a story to him. I don't remember how it all came up, but I said, oh, we are so not doing that knob there, Mrs. Whoever you were, you know, at the time. And he's like, I just can't believe you actually say that to clients that you're not going to do that. I'm like, well, that's what they're paying me for. Okay, they're paying me to take a stand on it. And they know because I'm passionate about it and then I'm not mailing in or phoning in or whatever, you know, it's really important to them. And I think that that's the thing is you have to remember they the client is paying you for that experience and and that advice and and all of that based on your past and your portfolio and all those kinds of things. And you stand out 
a little bit too, when you play a little bit hard to get, not being so desperate to sell something or desperate to, to get a client or whatever, that you're not waiting for those clients that really are going to be able to relate to you and, and be able to embrace what you have bringing to the table and all that kind of thing. I mean, I think your dream clients might be hiring your competition because maybe they haven't found you yet. Maybe they haven't resonated with you. Maybe you're not standing up and standing out as much as you think you are. I mean, because I don't think you guys that anymore, it's just okay enough to have a good portfolio, especially with so many people out there putting up these fake portfolios with AI generated photos and that sort of thing. I mean, really, it just kind of scares me. It really does. Like I'm all about embracing the new technologies and all those things. I really truly am. And I think there's a lot of great things that can come of all of this. I really truly do. But I also think there's people that are going to take advantage of it. And I think at some point there's going to be a little bit of a of a whiplash with clients, not sure if you're like legit or not. And so being authentic now and being passionate and believing in certain things like this manifesto sort of exercise is really more important than ever before to make your interior design business stand out. You want to focus on the client who needs exactly what you're all about and not the same Boretown USA that everyone else is offering. And this is what you have to go after with all the passion and excitement and bring that A game so that you are never delivering anything mediocre or like Liz is talking about mailing in or phoning it in. You, I just think it's easy to get sucked into that when you are not feeling like really strong in your beliefs about what you do. Does that make sense? Am I making sense yeah. here? Absolutely. And I, I think that this goes for people who are new to the business and people who have been around for a long, long time. I think that the tendency to get in a rhythm and get comfortable and to think that you've got it all figured out and all of that is definitely prevalent in this business. We see it all the time. I mean, there's plenty of instances where you look at people's portfolios mm -hmm. and you just wonder like, how is it that a client is seeing this and really feeling engaged and excited about it? But that's part of sort of overcoming that well, mediocrity. You have to, at some point, look at what it is that you're willing to offer and say, I want to do more. I want to be more enthused about what it is that I'm offering. I want clients to look at what it is that I can do and say, mm -hmm. I want to do the whole house. I don't just want to do the living room. I don't need you to prove to me that you can do it. I think you can right. do it. You've proven it. I like your personality. I like the way you approach things. Let's get it done. Right. Those are the ways that you grow in this type of industry, because you can't really expect to just rest on your laurels, even once you think you've got it figured right. out, because let's be honest, and, it changes and, every five seconds. And you want to be have that opinion. The client that we met with last week, when I told you earlier that we ran into him on yeah. Friday downtown, a lot of people out and about downtown was just like, just like hopping. I could not believe how many people were out. And so we ran into them because they're here from out of town and they're building a house. And he made some comment. Again, this is a good example of how we operate these boundaries and things like that. I don't have clients that do things that are rude or that are texting me in the middle of the night. I don't. It can't be because we're not really super friendly with everybody and all that because we are. But he said, Jal, you know, when you were talking about that story about building this house that we designed a couple of years ago that, that has been put on pause, but hopefully is resurrecting soon, where we designed, I designed the entire floor plan based on the lot size and the whole nine yards. And then our architect, Evo, who's, who's fabulous, he then made the exterior matched the interior, if you know what I mean. And he knocked it out of the park with that, I might add. But we started with the interior. So I was telling this story to the client at our meeting. And then when I saw him out and about in that world of beer, actually, is where we were. He said, he goes, yeah, my wife said, I want Cheryl to do this in our second house. Because this is their, their practice house. They keep calling the first one. And then the next one is there. And I, he said, that's what I want Cheryl to do. So that resonated with them. It's another good way to talk about the stories and, and that sort of thing. And I think that the idea here is that of having a definitive point of view and opinions and all of that is a good thing. And so when you get to this point where you've got any anxiety there, like making you stress about the fact that maybe I shouldn't be as bold as I am, maybe I'm going to piss that person off, or maybe I'm going to do this or that or whatever. I mean, just think about this. Think about the fact that, you know, you can't make everybody happy either. You really cannot make everybody happy. You are not going to be 
a very a strong interior designer and doing a really great job for your ideal client if you don't somewhere along the way annoy somebody or make somebody not happy or or say something that somebody else might not agree with. Okay, it's just not going to happen. But here's the thing, too, about that mediocrity, Liz, is that if there's any good news to this normalization of things being mediocre, is that when you do something excellent, and when you listen to me about this, and you really develop this brand awareness of who you are and who your brand is, it will be so uncommon that you will instantly stand out. I mean, really, people will be amazed because they're so used to good enough. They're used to right. good enough that the excellent is truly rare these days. I mean, this is across all industries, I think. And this can really work mm-hmm. to your advantage when you decide to take things up a level and exceed the low expectations that are all around us and hone in on this growth of your business by doing your absolute best work with this abundant passion that then telegraphs to your clients and to people around you. And part of that is going to be having an opinion because y'all know I have some opinions, okay? I have some opinions. There are people out there that are not my fans. They are people that get itchy when I talk about things like this or whatever, but it doesn't matter to me because I'm gonna be authentic to who I am. And those people that are right for us or right for the design paradigm or whatever, or right for this podcast are going to gravitate towards us. I mean, we're going to get those people because I don't really want to be for everyone. Even if I could be, I am just not that Pollyanna. I'm just not, Mm -hmm. not me. I think we didn't mention this, but I'm, I'm just thinking of it now as you're talking through these, these last sort of notes. And it's interesting because I think that there is a certain feeling of like being a part of the club that some of our clients get. And oh, it yeah. really is fun because they come back to us time and time again. I mean, we've got the holidays coming around now and they're looking for things for their office. And the guy last week came in and bought beautiful gifts for his family as like hostess gifts for Thanksgiving. It was perfect. But I think that part of this sort of digging in on really figuring out how it is that you're passionate in this industry and how it is that you're going to cultivate that over time and keep up with it. This speaks on all levels. I think a lot of our subs, the people who we work with, they rise to the occasion because they know that we've set the expectation high and they know that we're excited to do something different. Yeah, A lot of them don't get the chance to do this kind of work. Right. They don't get a chance to do this kind of work every day. And so for them, this is a nice break from the mundane. It's good. They're good projects. They look great in the end, but it challenges them to do better too. And same for our vendors. I mean, we're very, very fortunate to have some very strong relationships with some great people. And I feel like far and away, the way that we've cultivated that is by really keeping engaged and keeping them excited. Like we're excited about what it is that's happening it all ties together to make that experience much more authentic for all of us, but also to keep that kind of, I don't know, it's like that little bit of infusion that you need every week to sort of get through some of the hard days, knowing that you have the resources here and that you're going to have clients who are excited and that it's going to pay off the time and the effort and all of the slog is going to pay off. Right. And when's the last time that you sent your rep or, or somebody at a, at a vendor uh, pictures of, of, your, of your work when it's done? I mean, we do that on the routine right. basis because we are excited about it. We're thrilled and we, we want to share that with them. We want to share them like, look how great your sofa looks in this, in this home and, and look how great this art is. And we feed off of that. And I'm just telling you all that this is like sort of like this nirvana place to be because this is a tough business to be in. It is tough. You have to regenerate your your stores of of enthusiasm and you have to regenerate this stuff all the time, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert or whatever, you have to be able to constantly be feeding that. And one of the ways that we feed it and we find like this circle is that we put it out there with with people, with vendors, and we put it out there with artists that we work with or, or whatever. I'm always going to send, if, I, if we get a great shot of something and it has to do with a, a particular vendor, we're going to send that to them. I'm going to mm-hmm. call people out in social media. I'm going to do things that then get somebody else excited. And it's also it might even make their day or something a little bit. But I think that a lot of this is is really talking about cultivating that passion in yourself and and also that point of view. I mean, is there anything else you want to say, Liz, before we get to the damn good truth about this? I, oh, I did want to say like what you were talking about with the club is really something that I think is 
something that we do, and I think that a lot of good designers do this or, or successful designers will do this, is that you really do. It's not the being like all that in a bag of chips kind of attitude at all, at least not for us, no. because we're not going to be some fancy name or whatever, something. I mean, we work with regular people and we enjoy working with regular people and all of that, however quirky they may be and that sort of thing. But I think that developing that brand, it's it's like we've talked about another podcast episode about building that, that cult following. And it could also be phrases like building this club that you invite your clients into, and then they are lifelong proponents of your brand. And that is really where you need to be. I mean, that is what has helped us so much. And we, we talked about that with the when I was talking about whether it was horizontal or vertical integration, you know, which I still am not exactly sure. I think it's horizontal, but with with fewer clients, but more meaningful clients that are continuing to work with you on various projects. So they buy another house or they do this or they do that or whatever. I mean, all those things are part of building this cult brand following. And when I say brand, I, I'm, I'm talking about it in the sense of it being who you are and what you represent and really not just like buzzwords, okay? Not just buzzwords that are that a copywriter writes. I mean, you have to be really careful of that, y'all, and not have somebody write copy for you that's not authentic to you. You really have to go through it. And there is so much banal, like boring copy out there that's the same, same all the time that I just, I'm just kind of blown away. And nowadays, it's even more important. I'm like, no one's ever going to read our copy on our website and think that AI did it. That's never going to happen because it is original and it is something that you're not going to find everywhere. And I think, I think that's what that guy was talking about when he said, I read every word on your website. And remember how he talked about again, that you like to bake. Do you remember that? He said that? I don't know. You were on on Zoom, but he, he mentioned that just like the, that Mr. Wells did. Yeah. I mean, again, to your point earlier on too, he runs a business. He has a lot of different partners in his business. This is not his first time working on a new construction project. So he has some context, but I think really what stood out to him was not just the fact that we have the resources to get it done, but the fact that we actually have an opinion that there's something that we can contribute. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be in his wheelhouse. And he was very, very clear on that right from the beginning. He made a comment about something that we had on the website about how we speak more to like really offering value in what it is that we do. And he's like, that's how I want to run my business too. Like, I really appreciate that in people. Those are the type of things that when you need to find those clients who really are going to understand where you're coming from, that type of verbiage and the way that you approach Mm -hmm. being able to sell to them in your initial discovery calls and things, those are the type of words and phrases that I think have the most meaning. Right. Absolutely. But it was, it was a great, it was just a great example all around because again, it's a brand new project. It's got a sort of a long lead time overall because there's kind of a, a part one, part two, but he just had a lot of great feedback and we love that because it speaks to us about obviously how we're doing on the marketing end and how it is that we're catering to people who are looking for us. You got to love it when someone says they read everything on your website, especially ours, because it's a million pages. Okay, so let's get to our damn good truth for the day. Here it is. The secret to getting ahead is to have a point of view. What do they say about that? If you do not stand for something, you will fall for anything. And mediocrity is the norm these days. And it slays me the level of mediocrity we think is okay. It is the way of the world that seems to accept good enough and good enough is not going to cut it for me and hopefully not for you either. I want to build this this cult of enthusiasm for what we do for clients so it telegraphs to the clients. But it takes work to delve into the psychology of all of this. It really does. To understand your brand archetypes and develop your manifesto born from your passion for what you do, for design. Yes, you have to work at it, but it's worth it. This intentional work is what makes the difference in a business that not only can compete in today's marketplace, but also thrive. Thank you guys for joining us today. Reach out with any questions. Hop over to damngooddesigner.com for more information. And I hope that you will join us next week. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter. 